0: thanks for downloading this podcast it's for personal use only and must not be broadcast reproduced or used in any form without permission tell your friends they can get their own copy wherever they get their podcasts
1: hello everybody and this is a special program across the radio Shore limited network of channels uh, Eurocopter is that an Augusta 109 just going uh, above us at the moment I haven't had to come too far from Hindhoff Towers just down the road into Bedfordshire to meet a good friend of ours and celebrate in every sense of the word some rather remarkable milestones I'm down at JTR Joe Tandy Racing to meet Nick Tandy as they celebrate 15 years in existence and 100 victories. Nick, first of all, thank you for having us. My goodness me. Uh, 100th victory uh, recently, which uh, you had to do twice.
0: Yeah, we did. (laughs) No, it's good to see you, John, actually. And, um, yeah, like you say, we've we've now been running Joe Tandy Racing for 15 years. And... uh, we're still at it, and when you look at kind of a lot of the, the race teams that were around in in Britain when kind of we were we were got started, there's quite a few of them that that aren't around anymore. Mm. And um, you know, seeing that it gives me, it makes me proud and gives me pleasure that that we're still going and we're still competing, and we're still winning. So
1: yeah, it's good. We're standing uh, behind the back of the workshop. Um, and next to one of the immaculate trucks. We were going to go inside, but it's, I thought it was going to rain, actually, but it's not. Let's, let's stay outside. Let's talk about the genesis of Joe Tandy Racing. Joe, your brother, of course, formed this... Um, I want to talk about your bro, if you don't mind, a little bit, um, because his motorsport path was quite extraordinary, really. Came up on the short ovals, as you did, went to uni, became an engineer. Now, is it true that he got his first open wheel test because he was top engineer at the Jonathan Palmer facility at Bedford Autodrome?
0: Uh, well, for a start, he didn't go to uni. <laughs> Neither of us got that far. But uh, he, Joe, was, um, so Palmer Sport, Bedford Autodrome is, is obviously up the road from us where we stand here, John. You could throw a wheel nut to it pretty much, couldn't yeah. you? So kind of being in and around motorsport, it was kind of... A place that was obvious for him to go and work at. I was kind of doing other stuff and you know working other trades. But yeah, he kind of worked his way up through the through the workshop and and you know started on the kind of corporate side of the cars and then kind of got more involved with the race kind of the race team and the race cars and that. And you know he got experience of driving. So when they needed cars shaken down and stuff, he used to do quite a lot of that because he got the gear. You know he got his helmet and uh, he could operate the cars. So he, he kind of—I mean—I don't know too much about it, and there's probably other people here at JTR that know more about what Joe did up there because a lot of them came with him from uh, from Jonathan. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he was just in and around the sport, and um, obviously Formula Palmer Audi was one mm-hmm. of the top-level single-seater series at the at the time. This is back in sort of mid two thousands. And yeah, I think through kind of working up there, he met people that were in and around the the race team and and drivers and sponsors that were interested. So just kind of managed to pull a few, you know, pull a few legs and uh, and and get uh, get the chance to, to to go and race one one day.
1: I heard at his first test he put in a time that was very close to Justin Wilson,
0: and it made people sit up and take notice. It wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> I must I must admit my memories of these things. My memory isn't isn't that great, but uh, I can uh, you know he, he was a he was a top driver. He was. He won the he won the championship the first year he did it. So, mm. you know he it wouldn't surprise me if he went up there and, and ruffled a few feathers. How
1: did the race team start then? You were coming up through your nascent career, um,
0: Formula Ford. Is that how it all got started? It was Formula Ford, um, effectively. It was in the back end of 2005, and so Joe was racing Palmer Audi, mm-hmm. and I was racing um, with some prize money from, no, it must have been 2006. Mm. Yeah, it was 2006, because I won the, the, the Silverstone Scholarship in the Formula Ford, the BRDC Single Seater Series in 2005, and Joe won the Formula Palmer Audi Championship in 2005. Mm. So we'd both had these, um, these single-seater championship runs and i think going into 2006 joe went to america and he tried to get into some um some indie lights or some some usf 2000 that's that kind of stuff and he he did some testing i think he tested with walker um and and looked to try and you know go on in 2006 but nothing ever happened unfortunately um you know so he, he kind of went back to work and i'd got this little bit of prize money from the previous year's racing um that i could use to go and race in in british formula ford so effectively between me and my dad and my brother and my mother um we kind of took the plunge and uh once kind of the the uh the the championship prize money had dried out and i i was kind of scratching around to finish the season <laughs> we took a couple of loans out and and went and bought our own formula ford and that's kind of where it began. Wow. So, yeah, me and my dad and my brother went up and it, we bought it off Andy Merrick, actually. Really? Yeah, went, really? To, went up to Alton Park, um, bought his Formula 4 that he was selling and brought it back here, you know, went through it and, and effectively took it racing. And it was kind of the first time that we'd been out of stock car racing, but, yeah. but running our own cars. Yes. You know, as such, we did a bit of the Mini 7 stuff, but that was that's not real racing. You say that. <laughs> so
1: so that was all six then. So you went to the Formula Ford Festival in all six and didn't you win that on the road?
0: Yes. So So that wasn't a bad start, was it? It wasn't a bad start. The thing is, this was the thing that got us so excited because we got hold of our own car and all of a sudden I'd gone from kind of You know, struggling. I'd won a couple of races during the year and that, but I was, you know, I was struggling to be consistently at the front. And we got hold of our own car, and straight away we were, you know, we pretty much dominated the back end of the season. And um, kind of it was that point that Joe said, you know, I'm not enjoying working for somebody else. I think that we can do a good job. It's clear that we can do a good job because we, we, you know, we'd already started doing it in in British Formula Ford. And he set up Joe Tandy Racing. And, you know, I was the driver. As you do. <laughs> I was the driver. Um, you know, Dad had the workshop and, and, and let us, you know, use that and, and keep the trucks up here. And, uh, yeah, Joe, Joe took it on full time and, and, and set out to, to build a race team. And like you say, it was, yeah, 2006 Formula Ford Festival. We, we should have won it easily. And I, I actually watched the race back the other day online. <laughs> And it was, it was just such a shame because there was, there was basically me and Nathan Freak who'd won yeah. the British Championship and we were on split halves of the draw. Yeah. So the pair of us had kind of won our heats and won our semis and we'd, it, was, it was a wet meeting so we'd kind of dominated our side and it was just luck that the draw had put Nathan on, on pole for the final yeah. and I was on the other side, you know, so yeah. the outside row. And of course he got away in front and um, yeah, then we collided on lap two. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, then the, you know the the, the race went on, the story goes on, and we managed to come back from from a lap behind through through the wet weather, whilst everyone else was still crashing, and uh, came across the line first. But um, yeah, got penalised for a safety car indiscretion, which. Is fair enough to
1: be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you could see Nick Tandy's face at the moment. Put it right the next year, though. Went back and won it outright the, in in two thousand and seven. And by then, JTR was picking up a bit of a bit of a reputation. And what were you even at that stage? Were you guys, you know, was there a plan
0: or was it just almost every race, every season as it comes? Um, there was a plan for the race team. Uh, you know, I mean, Joe's plan was to. You know, he would have been the Christian Horner of, of the the sport. I'm I'm absolutely sure of it. You know, he would have gone on to, you know, to run world championship level teams. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm sure of that because that's that's the guy that he was. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was there was always a plan for for the team, and we went on into Formula Three the the following year, mm. and you know there was big stuff planned ahead. It all kind of everything changed, of course. But yeah, going into 2007. Um, so off the back of what we we did as JTR mm-hmm. out of the back of a van and trailer, um, we then he then went ahead and, and got another car, um, and we got a small race truck, and and we signed another driver, Freddie Hunt. So we were a proper, yes, that <laughs> Freddie Hunt, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, so we were a pop, proper two-car race team, and uh, yeah, you know it was Freddie's first year in in motorsport, so you know he was learning the ropes and but we had a, we had a great time and I you know I challenged for the British Championship again mm. and like you say we, we won the festival we actually came second on the road that year but finished first bizarrely so, yeah
1: bizarrely that
0: was a bit of uh, now what was that
1: who was leading at the time there that um, um, uh, was yes it was <laughs>
0: Cal- Callum McLeod, my nemesis of two thousand and seven, but uh,
1: a bit of a brake test, I seem to remember, wasn't it
0: yeah, it was again it was under safety car yeah, and uh, yeah, he kind of brake tested and then tried to go and i I rode up the back of him and the the race director didn't take kindly to that, obviously, so <laughs> what yeah. goes
1: around though <laughs> you see what goes what goes around? you talked about formula three when when the team and you jumped into Formula 3, you absolutely booked the trend. Everybody was with Delara at that time, and you guys went with Miguel. Bought some Miguel Formula Fords as well, I say remember.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, kind of, we whilst we were racing... By the way, <laughs> we,
1: are, we are talking about the time when F3 was an open chassis formula. So, you know, let, let's first of all say that.
0: i miss missed those days massively. But you did book the trend massively. Yeah, so we spent two years in Formula Ford battling against, against these pessy Miguels, which... You know, by the end of 2007, we kind of, we caved in and said, right, we'll have to run, we'll have to run girls in, in Formula Ford also. And kind of through looking at this kind of deal and, and then talking to Bertrand at, at Megal, mm-hmm. obviously they'd, they'd just started their Formula 3 project. And, you know, we didn't, we didn't have all the funds to go out and buy all the kit that we wanted. And, you know, we couldn't just go and get the, the you know, the race winning chassis from last year and go and get a Mercedes engine deal and that sort of thing so so we got as much um support and um relationships going with people that could that could see our vision of where we wanted to go and also where they wanted to go and and Miguel was one of these these um these organizations that they wanted to you know come onto the scene as a as a as a bona fide f three you know operator and, and manufacturer and uh and we worked together and it was it was awesome there was i think there was two or three. Michaels against the, you know, the hordes of Delara, but yeah. Yeah, and you were own. on a budget that was a fraction. This is, dear listener, you've got
1: to understand, uh, works engine deals, different engines going along, different chassis going along. British F3 was a must-have on any up-and-coming uh, racing driver's CV. It was as fia formula three is now it was that level probably and beyond in, in fact there was a lot of money being spent a lot of testing and you guys were doing it not on a pittance but you were certainly doing it on the sort of money that most people were were losing on their on their catering operations
0: uh, yeah you're not wrong and I've, I've spoken to people since and they can't they, they simply didn't believe the you know the what it what it costs us go racing but uh, we found some we found some help um, the previous year because we were so successful in in Formula Ford, and there was a guy that um, he kind of invested in the team um, and me as a driver. Mm-hmm. Um, so that really helped us get started, you know, and yeah. and 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 go ahead and get get up and running. But um, yeah, it was it was difficult. But I mean, thinking back, and I always think back now, the you know the challenge of of Formula Three and and Formula Ford, and the fact that you know we worked out we worked out this little race shop here that we're standing at now and we could do anything we liked with the cars you know we could if we thought you know this part could be 0.01 percent better we'd work all winter and you know we'd we'd just tinker away with stuff that that you know we were passionate about trying to 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 engineer the car to be the best that it possibly could um and it was it was just great fun it was great grounding and it was you know, it was a group of three or four of us that, that went racing against these, these massive teams that have been around for years and years and you've got the might of the Red Bull Juniors and, yes, you yes. know, the Racing Steps Foundation teams and these yeah. kind of guys. Who were throwing big money at it. Yeah, huge money. I'd probably say five times what, you know, what we were spending. Um, and, and who was
1: driving that then? Who, from, from that side of things, was that Joe that was looking at it? Because his engineering prowess was outstanding considering for the very most part he'd been self-taught
0: and learned it himself. It was Joe. He was the driving force. You know, he got me, um, obviously... I think he saw how I could drive a car, Mm -hmm. you know, and how I could operate a race weekend. And so he knew he'd got the driver to do it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's... You know, running a race team now, I know, if you haven't got... a You can have the best cars in the world. If you haven't got the driver to drive it, then, you know, you're, you're never going anywhere. So that was kind of one aspect. And, you know, he wanted to... He wanted to go up against these guys, you yeah. know, people that, that we'd kind of looked up at and, and you know, we'd spoken to before about trying to get a deal to race their cars or whatever. You know, it was never going to happen. Uh, we wanted to go out there and, and race against them, try and beat them. Yeah. And that was, he was, It was the driving force. He wanted to establish his name and his team and his people in the sport and you know, go on and become you know, one of the most successful race teams in the world. That was his, that was his vision. The tough part of that is then George tragically lost his life in a road accident.
1: How close was that to ending it all? And what was then the idea of moving, moving on and continuing? And, and what's, I mean, I can't even imagine what was, that was like at the time for you, Nick. But was it
0: always going to be that
1: JTR would continue?
0: Mm, no. Um. I, I mean, it was very close to to stopping. I think the good thing that we had was that the next kind of round for both the British F3 and Formula Ford was at Rockingham yeah, like a couple of weeks later yeah. and I mean you can imagine like the two weeks after what happened um, for all of us not just the family but for everyone that worked here with him yes. and you know all the, all the drivers that were in the, the Formula yeah. Ford team and, and you know the staff on that side it was hard for everyone but I I remember. I think my mum, and dad said, "You know, what are you going to do? Are we going to race?" And I said, "Well, we, of course we're going to race. That's what we do. You know, that's <laughs> he wouldn't he wouldn't have it any other way." And you know, once we we once we said, "Okay, we're going to go and do it," um, we'd got something to focus on. Yes. And yes. So we, you know, we got everything ready. We got the truck packed. We we went off to to Rockingham for the weekend, which is just up the road as well. Yep. Um, we had a flat tire on one of the the, the trucks on the way there. Of course, so that was, you did. That was awesome, um, but it gave us it was it was something else to focus on. You know, all of a sudden, and you know, I saw in the other people that you've gone from this, you know, this tragedy that had happened and that was going to affect all of our lives, and nobody knew how it was going to turn out, to then seeing people that are, you know they've got their focus back and they've got something. Um, you know, to take their mind off and, and get back on with life. Yeah. And it was the same for me. And kind of from that point, I thought, well, you know, this is... A, it's what he would have wanted. Yes. Um, and B, it's kind of... It's probably good for all of us to, to keep doing it. So there was a few of us. Uh, my friend Stuart, uh, he got involved and, and started looking after the... kind of the business side of the team that year. Mm-hmm. Um And without him and, you know, a a lot of other people to kind of support me keeping me and, you know, me and my my family keeping the team running and the people, the staff employed, um, we kept it going. And we had a great year in in Formula Ford. We had Joseph Newgarden running with us that year, nearly won the championship. He's doing all right for himself, in fairness. Not too bad. Too shoddy. Yeah. Good training over here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, well, always, always. I, I should say that, that Rockingham event, didn't you win that race? We did it was our first and only british f three win yeah wow. uh, the, I mean the other thing that I wanted to do we'd, we'd done a lot of testing. there was a lot of official testing at Rockingham that year, and we 'd been pretty much fastest every time we 'd gone <laughs> yeah because we'd really taken a you know a turn with the car and we'd got some support from Mercedes um, to do the championship in two thousand and nine yeah because people had seen you know what, just what we 'd done in two thousand and eight as a as a kind of you know a, a brother and brother team. A
1: proper, proper privateer team.
0: Yeah, so um, we started 2009 and we, we were we were one of the best teams. Yeah. You know, we were one of the fastest cars and, and every time we went to Rockingham testing, the car suited that layout. The track, it was, it was really good at high downforce tracks and Rockingham is like a maximum downforce track even though you've got the big banking. Yeah. The infield's all kind of twisty and uh, technical, so we were quick, and I knew the car was going to be quick. We've been looking forward to to Rockingham. I think we'd done a couple of rounds, and we'd we'd had a, a few podiums. I think we were second in the championship. Did you use the chicane on the front straight, or did you go straight round turn one? Uh, no, it was the year when it was the the chicane Chican. onto the the yeah. home straight, and then we went straight round turn one. Yeah, yeah, much better. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so. I wanted to go you know we knew we, we knew we'd got a chance we knew the car would be quick and yeah we rocked up there and we kind of qualified on the front row i think or something and and won the first race at a canter and it was yeah it was awesome because there were so many people there come to oh, kind of support us I bet there was. um it was good yeah
1: we're talking with nick tandy about joe tandy racing 15 years uh, on and a hundred wins and counting i'll say that um we're standing out outside the workshop we'll have a wonder in a moment where was the next turning point then for JTR so the decision was made to carry on you did carry on the success continued the reputation continued to build ultimately you ended up doing other things than than formula cars how did how did that come about because effectively that's you know that's the next big
0: change yeah so kind of into the 2010s um, there was a regulation change in Formula Ford Mm. and um, I I wouldn't say luckily but we we got on top of the new regulations Ah. very quickly (laughs) and we now come on (laughs) tell the truth did you study them or did you look into it we we figured out how to make ah, these cars and these go. engines go fast. There you go. Um, we honest. figured out is motor racing speak for we spent a lot of time looking at the regs. We did, and then how the car performed on track, and how to get the most out of it, and then how to you know get tune the engines because this is when Formula Ford was still there was regulations, but it was still open yeah. chassis, open open kind of engine build, open you know there was still open stuff that you could do as a team to make a difference. And, you know, I got some, luckily, some very smart people with me who are still still with me now. Um, and we kind of took the car testing. We noticed these things in the data and stuff. And, you know, it was a turbo, it was moved to a turbo car. Oh,
1: yes, of course.
0: And so it's all about trying to, you know, maximise the the use of the turbo and how the boost came in and how you then adjusted your chassis to work with this. So, anyway, we, we got on top of it really quickly and we basically dominated three years of the series and we won three, three mm. um, British Formula 4 titles in a row. With which drivers? Um, initially with Antti Burry, a yep. uh, Finnish lad, and then we won with, was it Jade the year after? Yeah, Jade Kruger from South Africa. Uh, another top bloke, yeah. um, and then Dan Camish came came back to us yeah. for the 2013 year, and he qualified on pole, and he won every single race <laughs> until the championship was over. And then he said, "Right, that's it. That's enough." So he didn't win all 30 because he didn't take part in them all. He only needed to do 24. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's what you call dominating, the ch- right? I'm off on holiday now. So when I see as a commentator, such and such a driver is doing so well, he could take a two-week holiday and not have to worry about scoring points. Effectively,
0: that's what he did. He literally did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it, I mean, it was good because he'd got you know he'd got him and his other teammates up there with him all the time, and it was a, it was just a great time. It didn't. It probably wasn't good for the championship because nobody. If you weren't in a JTR car, you couldn't you couldn't compete, let alone win. But um, yeah, it was good and. Um, that took us up to sort of mid 2000s and then kind of the regulations changed again it went to f4 and yeah. i didn't really like where the sport was going mm-hmm. because it became an absolute single make formula yeah um and you know I'd, I'd really begun in earnest with my kind of porsche stuff yeah and i'd obviously raced in the carrera cup for for a few for a couple of years and i knew a lot of the guys in the, the in the paddock that were running the porsche teams mm-hmm. so i said to the lads here i said look you know what do you think about doing this this you know this gt this sports car racing and they're all like, oh no you know there's formula racing so eventually I, I i wore them down you know i convinced them that we could do a better job than you know a lot of the people that were already doing the, the porsche stuff and so we took the plunge i managed to to get a car on loan um what would it be in the back end of 16 um, did it all up in the JTR colour so it looked like we'd got our own car and we were doing it seriously and <laughs> you know, tried to convince a few people that we we're all ready to go, even though we've got none of the kit, we haven't got any cars, we hadn't got any of the Perception is everything, yeah. Mr. T. Exactly. And then, you know, we got three drivers signed up before the end of <laughs> before the end of the year. And we went racing in twenty seventeen and we you know, we should have won the championship on a first go. Lost mm. it by well, we didn't lose it by point. We lo- we scored the same points, on, lost it on a drop Can't score. Buck. Yeah. 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 Drop um, score. Yeah, sorry. And then won consecutive teams championships the years after that. So I think it was a good good move and, and we're still in it now and we're still competitive and like you say, we're still winning races, so
1: let's have a let's have a little wander down to the garage. The lads are working at the minute, or so undoubtedly the radio will be on and there'll be all kinds all kinds of work. So around about this time though, Nick, you're your career was taken off, so how did that affect what you were able to do as we walk into the garage? We'll just stand in here so we're not disturbing anybody too much at the moment. Uh, the, um, how did it affect what you were able to do and the time you were able to
0: devote to JTR? Um, I don't think it changed too much because... Whilst, you know, whilst I'm actively involved in the team and, you know, I do, I mean, I do all the winter testing and do all the race, week, race weekends I can, I've always been racing myself. So there's always been times when I've been away, which means I've got to have people here hmm, that can run the whole operation without me. Right. Um, so who, who's the main man when you're not here then? Uh, well, they'd, they'd all like to say it was, it was them. Um, but, the, I mean, the guy that's been long, with us the longest is Grumpy, Nick, Nick Madge. Um, he kind of... He, he first came to us in 2008. He, uh, Joe bro- poached him from, from Palmer's uh, to be the number one mechanic on my F3 car. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so he's used to telling you what to do then, and he used to getting his own way with you. So that's really very, very solid uh, HR there, I reckon. Well, it is. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, for two years we worked hand in hand. You know, we, mm-hmm. uh, you know I was up here every day with him, you know, uh, in the workshop sorting out the cars, even though he wouldn't let me touch much of it anymore. But, um, you know, I was his driver and he was my, my number one. Mm-hmm. So we kind of had this relationship. Yeah. Um, and interestingly, actually, it was we had we had a guy come to kind of help us with the engineering and kind of you know the, the race engineering of how to set up an F3 and how to go and go through a race weekend with it when we started initially. And um, you know the guy was great, but it kind of went back to, to when the team started. We kind of looked at it and thought, well, we could probably do a better job on our, by ourselves. Yeah kind of thing and and eventually th- you know things went separate ways and and kind of nick be- became not just number one but the race engineer right. on our car yeah so between him um joe and me a little bit because obviously i had the experience of what was going on and from running our own cars before it became the three of us running the the formula 3 team so yeah this guy has been with us for for a long time he's He's the best fabricator I've ever seen. He makes all our race trolleys and, um, you know, he can make anything you like. And He's uh, pretty good at putting badges on the front end of Porsches as well. He yeah. did mine
1: and it's still on. Yeah, exa- <laughs> exactly, yeah. The way I drive. Hey, who would have known? <laughs> Tell me a little bit about the Porsches then. We've got the two current uh, Carrera Cup uh, GB cars in here, which are 991s, of course, 991 Gen 2. Uh, when when does this series
0: change over at the nine End of this season. It'll be the end of this season, and actually the one you can see on the ramp at the moment, John, is mm. a third car. Mm. So uh, soon, at some point, we should have we should have the three cars um, out together. One's Larkins' one, which was the race winner from Brands, has actually gone to the body shop to repair his sill. Right. From, uh, that was the hundredth win. It, uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, mm. just a little bit of uh, cosmetic damage, but mm. yeah, that's gone to be repaired. Um, but yeah, these are. Uh, these are the. This is the run-out year for these cars. Yep. So we go to the the, the new spec next year. Hopefully we'll be able to stay in the series. Um, I haven't yet got a, got a price, a UK price on the cars yet. But uh, they're blooming quick. If I, I
1: do obviously, I do the IMSA series, which is rolled out the 992s. I do the. Uh, Asian series which has got 992s as well I think there's three others Super Cup obviously and I think it's Germany and Benelux as well for the the first year they're not going in times that a
0: kick in the union or what's away from not GT4s GT3 cars I know well that's the beauty of them it's especially like the new car okay it's a, it's quite it's quite another step forward mm. but they're they're effectively GT3 pace for mm. half the cost mm-hmm. and this is the beauty about Carrera Cup you know any You've got to know what you're doing to, to run the cars, and you've got to be on top of them. But effectively, you can go to Porsche and pick up a full spec racing car mm-hmm. for the same money as a, a road car, yeah. and take it straight to the racetrack and and go and race them. And you know how fast they are. they and they're, it's on the button. And if you need it, they'll give you a bit of help and a, a baseline setup. And 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 and. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, I, I like the Formula because it's it's a spec thing. So it you know encourages people to to come into it it 's not like you 've got to pick a Mercedes or you 've got to pick a red Bull. yeah, yeah, yeah. everyone 's got the same car, yeah. but there is enough scope on them for intelligent people to make a difference, whether that 's from working with the drivers or you know how you prepare the cars. Um, you can make a difference, and you know you see it there's there's regular teams that are always at the front in in series around the world, so it's good we enjoy
1: it new car the biggest difference in the new well there's a lot of difference in the new car because it's a whole new shell the biggest difference that people will notice is the rear wing which has gone to the swan neck rear wing much the same as the the uh, rsr 19 that, that you drove in your porsche career the, the gt e the gt Mans car which is far more adjust has far more adjustment so i'm told than the current car so aero is going to be really interesting i want to have a look at this car actually I'm wondering, is it hanged off from Porsches. Who knew? OK, so let's have a look. Oh, yeah, you see. So the new car, as well as... Jordan down there. Jordan's doing he's working hard. Yeah. Looking like he's working hard when the boss is there. I was here earlier when you know, he was really working hard, yeah. before you came <laughs> down. So, so the new street car has double wish front suspension, the new GT3, which obviously goes on to the race car. It's got a much wider track, uh, front and rear, and it's got bigger wheels um, as well on the road car, although I'm led to believe that you'll stay with the 18-inch rims that are currently being used. So when a new formula comes in, you guys have proved in the past that you're pretty good at exploiting that new formula. Because obviously there's a law of diminishing returns with anything, Nick, and the longer you have a piece of kit, particularly in a spec series, more people are going to find the wrinkles and 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 find
0: the in them but when a new one comes in it's ground zero all over again it is the kind of the trouble that we we, that we might have next year is obviously the car has been running for a year already Ah. so what you need at that point is some information from from maybe people you know right that have you know been through and seen the pitfalls and, and the stuff to kind of iron out quickly um, when you've got contacts through the industry throughout mm-hmm. the world it kind mm-hmm. of helps in that regard
1: well you're wandering around Imps Paddock where there <laughs> happens to be Porsche Carrera Cup North America for the first time oh. have you been just sticking your head in and having a little look in,
0: in your time off from, from Corvette Racing I might have had a look around yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah like you say the, the main thing it will be a, the winter test programme um, mm-hmm. try and get hold of a car take it testing you know I, I will probably do a lot of the, the testing mm-hmm. for the team to begin with do you still enjoy that? Yeah, I do. Mm. I enjoy going to. I enjoy going to Silverstone and Donington and <laughs> you know places that I don't get to, to drive at anymore. Yeah. Um, National Circuit at Donington is massively underrated for me. It's got everything, has not it? It has. We did five hours in, in, of Enduro car around there <laughs> a few months ago. It was awesome. So, yeah, I do, I, you know, I enjoy the testing. Obviously, when it's wet and cold, which is basically six months of the year over here, then it's not so great. But then the then the, the, the best place to be is sat inside the the car. Um, but, yeah, if you can, you know, you then go to, if drivers come to us and say, you know, what's your experience? You know, how, how are you going to help me? How is, you, how is this A going to be better than B or whatever and mm-hmm. what, for what I'm going to decide? Then I think it gives them confidence in the fact that, you know, we've got this proven track record and also the fact that I'm, kind of still on hand for any sort of driving thing i don't i mean i'm not intelligent enough to to help with the engineering that much um but i can i can tell them how a race car should feel yeah if, if and it. you can tell when it doesn't feel the way it should feel at least yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. so it all it all helps we've, we've that's got like, that's like me i'm not a
1: good driver but i know when i'm not on the racing line because <laughs> <laughs> i've seen plenty of you guys doing it doing it properly we're with nick tandy a JTR, Joe Tandy Racing, celebrating 15 years uh, of success. Uh, and in, in the last portion of the programme, I want to talk about something that Nick just mentioned there, some of the other stuff that gets done. We know JTR for their success in British formula down through the years, now the Carrera, uh, Carrera Cup Great Britain. But you mentioned the Enduro car. Now, for those outside the UK, a Ford car uh, is a, a little... City car, front-wheel drive, and they've been around forever, long since out of production in the form that they are racing now, but somebody had the bright idea a few years ago of having an endurance series uh, that was based on cars, KAs. Go and look them up if you don't know what they are. And... What a couple of years ago now, you decided to it was just before lockdown wasn 't it? was that the first time you, you, you looked at it and I remember coming in for something else and, and we were looking at the two first chassis that, uh, that you 'd bought for for literally hundreds of well I said all right two, two first examples of the cars that were going to be turned in into, into race cars it 's a very cost effective formula they 're not very powerful. But even so, JTR has managed to find those wrinkles again. I don't expect you to give out any secrets. But you you researched all that properly, didn't you? I
0: did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, I wanted to go racing. It's a fun formula. I wanted to go racing with my mates. I wanted to race in the UK. That was kind of the whole idea behind doing it. And it's it's entered as JTR, and it's got JTR on the car because we've got an entrance license already. Mm -hmm. So it meant that I didn't have to go and get another entrance license to go and race but it really is kind of my my thing it's it's my kind of desire to go racing and yes i've roped the boys in to help when you know we, we had to get another car ready and uh and we've all worked on it. and Well,
1: uh... it's absolutely the GTR ethos because, you, again, you've looked at what's possible. You've looked at the differences in the specs of, of the cars that are available. You bought the cars that you thought were going to be competitive and went and raced at Brands Hatch in a race that ran into the, into the darkness and went and won it.
0: We did. We did. We've done two races and uh, we were pretty competitive at the last, last one also. Um, you know, I'm, I'm proud because I I think um you know nick helped he, he welded most of the cage in because i was away racing um but i effectively built everything every everything on that car myself and i'm i'm kind of proud because i it's it's one of the quickest cars in the series so i'm kind of proud of what i did there but uh nothing to do with the driver at that point you reckon well i mean it handles well and it, it goes down the straights well and uh, there's there's you know, you've got to know what you're doing. You know, I did. Re- I completely rebuilt built the engine, but there's nothing you can do to them, apart from you know making sure that everything is perfectly as good as it can be. Yes. Um, which is effectively what my dad used to do when we raced the, the stock cars. Yes. It's the same thing. Absolutely you know, and right. we always used to have the best engine in that because everything was perfect, and we made sure that everything was perfect. Um, when you're in a spec series that's what you've got to do so yeah I'm, I'm proud that it's, it's one of the, the best cars out there and it, it makes you happy when you, you, know, you go out and you are competitive knowing that it's something that you've put your kind of work and, and love into all of how many horsepower by the way? I reckon we could be pushing above 70 Ooh.
1: <laughs> How do you manage to hold on to those front wheels with oh, a whole seventy horsepower?
0: I know they took they took a rolling dyno to one of the races last year or something, and the the top cars were were sixty nine seventy horsepower. The lower the lower end was kind of 66 67 I think. But uh, yeah, so I reckon we could be we could be well up there.
1: <laughs> it is absolutely right that you attack that in the same way that you do everything here at GTR in, in your career. Um, We're not here to talk about your career because this is about JTR. But if I say what's going to happen in the next 15 years, then ultimately, of course, what you're doing in your career will will play a part in that. But if you look forward, do you have a medium and longer-term plan for for JTR? 15 years is a milestone, as you rightly pointed out beforehand. A lot of the people who were around 15 years ago aren't. Or they've been subsumed into something else, or they've gone to work for somebody else, having found that their own thing was not sustainable. So, congrats on that to you and everybody here. What about
0: the next five, the next 10, the next 15 years? Um, It's difficult to say. I think in the short term, at least, we will, you know, we, uh, uh, we race nationally um at the moment you know we've done some international we will you know we'll go abroad and, and and race we have done but um kind of if i look at something like a like a super cup series that races all over the world there's that's a big commitment on time and people you know to to ferry cars around the world and, and ship people around the world and stuff like that it's very different to to going to snap for a mm. you know for four days
1: and hasn 't the current situation rather changed that as well there 's much more of a focus on national racing now, and i don 't think that 's going away
0: anytime soon, is it well exactly, and I think um, you know, it 's no bad thing because I think we lost a bit of the kind of the national sports side of things. It was basically when british f three was kind of ending, mm-hmm. and um, you know it started to be all these European series took over from the mm-hmm. You know, you used to have the German series, the Italian series, mm-hmm. the, the British F3, and, all, and they were great series. And you kind of came together for a World Cup and Macau kind of thing. And that's kind of disappeared a bit. So, yeah, I don't think the, the, if the, the national scene gets, gets stronger in, in various markets, is, is ever going to be a bad thing? Because, you know, it keeps costs down for, for people that want to go racing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and as long as there's people to do it, the competition is always going to be up there.
1: Yeah.
0: So, Particularly in something like Carrera Cup. Exactly. Yeah. If there's if there's cars out there, there's always going to be, you know, there's always going to be super quick people. There's always going to be a, a varied range of, of abilities and experience, uh, and always someone to race. Mm-hmm. But kind of, I don't know. Looking looking more long term, what I really like the look of, of, kind of where the regulations are going. I love our sport, and our sport is kind of defined as, from a certain degree by Le Mans. Mm-hmm. And for years and years, you know, a private team or, you know, a, a, a private team, you know, you wouldn't be able to go to Le Mans no. and, and compete at Le Mans for, a, for, a, for the top class win. No. Where the regulations are going in the future with LMDH, especially and with LMH, mm-hmm. it potentially it opens the door up for privateer entries. I've got chills. <laughs> I've got chills I've got, there. I've got a few people you know friends and, and associates who who have a desire and would love to see us take a car to Le Mans you know we've talked about it before and uh of course it's you know it's a very different thing and it's a big commitment and you've probably got to run a series and you know a season in WEC to get an entry this kind of thing but to have the to have the option of having the same kit and then you know sometimes being a, a privateer opens up so many more avenues and doors for how you go about running your operation. Yeah. Like we saw, we saw it when we came into Formula Ford, or yeah. we came into Formula 3, or we came into Carrera Cup. We take a different view on it. Okay, you might not have manufacturer money, but if you've got some smart people behind it, even mm-hmm. smarter people than they've mm-hmm. got, why the hell can't a privateer with decent drivers go out there and compete? And do you think the drivers
1: are out there? Because let's be brutally honest, Nick, there's a financial aspect to that, to all of this. Therefore, you've got to have drivers at the levels that we're talking about. You've got to have drivers who are prepared to put some financial backing behind it and make the business work. Are there drivers out there who are funded and who would want to do that, do you feel, in the LMDH, DPI 2.0, whatever it's called, level? I suppose the advantage is that you can take the same car. You could do Daytona. You could do Sebring then rebuild it totally, then go and do some other races in the States whilst
0: using the same equipment to do some of the top races in Europe and beyond. I think at the moment, the kind of the financial model to to compete at right at the top level, you know, you need need a a team structure of funding behind you and then go and employ the best people. And that includes drivers. Yeah. At the moment, you know that's that's kind of how how it is. Um, but like you say, when, if you can supplement your spending by you know getting an income out of your equipment somewhere else, it's it's like you say. It, if you can race the cars, like if it's GT3 and you can race GT3 across the world, Correct. If you, if you can race an LMDH across the world, then it does open up a lot more possibilities for for people to, to use their investment.
1: Of all the things that I thought we might be talking about today, I never thought LMDH <laughs> would come into the equation. And now I'm kicking myself for for not thinking that. And I'm going to leave here now with that completely in my mind. And Andy Blackmore, if you're listening, um, LMDH, JTR, Livery, let's, let's have that on Twitter as quickly as you can. Nick, on behalf of all of us who've watched this team down through the years and all the excitement and entertainment that JTR have given us, Thank everybody who's been involved down through the years. Hearty, hearty congratulations on these milestones of fifteen years and one hundred wins for GTR. And long, long may it continue. May. Well done.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Here's to the next hundred. This program is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at
1: radiolamont.com.